DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It's time to welcome in David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He joins us every week, and his weekly appearance is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning, David James. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You, you, Patrick Kinahan, <laughs> you yes. thought your Cougars had that one, didn't you? You thought they were taking down the Zags and going to the dance. You know, and I, I'm still not over it. And they're going to, and they're going to the dance anyway. Irregardless. All right. Irregardless. Nice. Well done. Well played. Uh, they are going. How many teams do we have dancing this year? Sixty-eight. No, no. Utah teams. <laughs> the only ones I care about. Uh, I think the uh, uh, it could be as many as four. I suspect the number will end up being. Two, and if I'm wrong, it's three. All right, so BYU-Utah State are the two? Uh, I think BYU is a lock. I think everyone thinks BYU is a lock. I think that Utah State, uh, SUU, and UVU all have a shot. Utah State... Mark Madsen, baby! Yeah. Mark Madsen's got that thing rolling in the tournament? That's awesome! Well, it's 50-50 in the final. They, They shouldn't lose in this semi against New Mexico State tonight, but they could. New Mexico State beat them once. They yeah, they, yeah, they did. So, David, people want to hear you talk about the Utah Jazz. They want to plumb the depth of your knowledge. And PK said he went through the second-half schedule, and I'm 100% certain that you've gone through the second-half schedule. I have. And he thought low-end, if things break wrong, 24 wins. High-end, if things fall into place, 28 wins. What do you think? How many games are there? 36. 36. So I had us kind of trying to go 23 and 13. No. Like, 67 winning percentage. Or maybe it was 23 and 11 or 23. No, it'd be 23 and 13. It's 36 games. Then maybe I was 24 and 12. So... You're winning 67% of games. That's a lot. The way I looked at it, I don't have the breakdown right in front of me, but there's about nine games that are kind of easy. Eight of them are Rockets, Wolves, and some other team, Kings. Then there's this whole middle pack that, like, Portland could be pretty tough by the time we play them if they have Nurkic back. And Memphis, Jaron Jackson Jr. is coming back. And there's just this whole kind of middle-range set of teams that are actually pretty good that I think could be really tough. And then there's and then there's there's eight or nine like almost like scheduling like unless you're really great scheduling I don't want to call them scheduling losses but you know like Brooklyn's a, like Brooklyn's just better than we are um, so I think you know we don't play ourselves and we don't play the Clippers so we don't the our schedule I think statistically might feel a little easier than it actually is um, but if you know I think we've got to like. Uh, again, I don't have it right in front of me, but I think Phoenix is like 25-11 and 11 for the season. Is that right? You know, we've got to kind of force them to do that again. Like, if they want to go 25-10 and 10 and they finish the year 50-22 and 22 and they get the one seed, then you, kind of, then, then you kind of tip your hat. But you want to make them do that. You want to make somebody go win at that rate again and catch us. Um, but I don't think you can expect us to win 77% of our games again. What do you think about Phoenix? How legitimate are they? I was really impressed last night. You know, 
I think they're really, I think they're really legit in this. The question mark on them is DeAndre Ayton, right? Look at their plus minus last night. Ayton's minus four. Sarge is plus fifteen. Dario Saric is like plus twenty five for a hundred possessions this year. When he's on the floor, they have got themselves a really special group. Whether it's Jay playing the four at that point and spreading the floor, and if you go back to last year. Chris Paul was the number one pick-and-roll point guard in the NBA with Danilo Gallinari. That was the number one pick-and-roll combination in the league was those two. So I think they've got a little something there that's pretty special. Their defense is great. They're 17-3 and over their last 20. They're the fourth-ranked offense and the fourth-ranked defense. If you're going to buy the Jazz, you have to buy the Suns. You can't be a Jazz fan and not buy the Suns, or then you don't buy us. There's only two teams in the league that are top ten Offense and defense, I think it's something like 18 of the last 20 champions in the NBA were top of that. Maybe it's 17 of the last 20 champions were top 10 in both. There's only two teams in the league right now that are top 10 in both, the Suns and the Jazz. Utah-Phoenix Western Conference Final. I hear a lot of the NBA cringing and complaining. I'm up for it. I'd be entertained. Utah Mix it Brooklyn up. Utah-Brooklyn in the finals, baby. Uh, you say Brooklyn's better, and they, they're going to see Brooklyn again, and they already lost to Brooklyn with Durant out, and, and they hadn't traded for Harden at that point. Uh, I, I don't want to guess when they play Brooklyn, Brooklyn who might Brooklyn's play. Why, why do you say point-blank Brooklyn is better? Oh, they're totally unstoppable. They're going to win. They're going to win 30. They're going to go 30-5 and five at minimum the rest of the way. They're the best shooting team in the history of the game. They don't have a five-man lineup they're going to put on the floor when everyone's healthy. They have an offensive rating under about 124. There is, they've got the three best isolation players in all of the NBA, so when a play breaks down, they've got an answer that's not only, like, acceptable, it's elite. Like, I think they're all over 1.2 points per possession. Um, Joe Harris is not talked about and is underrated, but it is, you know, is an elite offensive player because of his efficiency and his shooting. He's the number one over the last four years in the NBA. He's the number one catch-and-shoot guy in the entire league, and he's playing off Durant, Irving, and Harden, which then makes him one of the great – you know, he's Ray Allen. Like, <laughs> he's pretty bit as good as Ray Allen was for Chris Bosh, LeBron James, and Dwayne Wade. It's a recreation of the Heatles. They're unbelievable. And they'll defend enough, but they don't even need to defend. That I, – I really think they're going to go, you know, what have they got, 35 left? I think they'll at minimum go 30 and 5. So you got them better than the Lakers when the Lakers are at full strength? Yeah, way better. I actually don't think it's close. I really think they're unstoppable. So I, I really NBA winning the finals I, then. I don't know what you do. Like, they – they play fast and they get out and run. Okay, well now slow them down and get them in the half court and switch one through five and then they just and, and do what you're going to like. I don't know how you defend them and so maybe you, you know we would have the best chance of anyone because you just play them in pick and roll and make Rudy stop them in the mid range. But those three guys are elite level at mid range and they just will stop running pick and roll. They'll stop involving Rudy. They'll pull Rudy out of the middle and they'll just play one on one. And we're as good a defensive team in the NBA. The Lakers are the the next best defensive team, but. You just can't have three guys on a roster that are capable of guarding those three guys. So at some point they're going to find a mismatch, 
and they'll go one-on-one. It might be ugly, but it's unstoppable. David Locke joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, the common assumption is the Lakers and Clippers are going to get rolling, and they're probably going to meet in the Western Final, uh, and one of them will come out of the West. That you know, I think most people would be reluctant to pick the Jazz and Suns to come out of the West. Are you selling either the Lakers or Clippers? Do you think either of them are overhyped and will do what the Clippers did last year? The Clippers went out in the second round. Can that happen to either one of these teams this year? Yeah, I'll sell both of them for the regular season at least. Um, I actually wouldn't be surprised if the top of the West isn't walking toward a Utah, Phoenix, Denver with a suddenly Clippers and Lakers going, oh, crap, we've got to avoid a 4-5 matchup in the first round. Um, I think that's when you're going to see one of those two teams click in is when they realize they're about to walk to a 4-5 matchup against each other. But I, would, I expect one of them to be in the 4-5 matchup this year. I think Denver's clicked in. They started playing great defense before the break. Uh, Jokic is the MVP, and if Harden doesn't win it, um, the I, so I think that's that's the take there. The Lakers, you know, we'll see today. They're announcing more on Anthony Davis. Um, my sources aren't great, but I'm the murmur is a few more weeks on AD. So. You know, I just think it's beginning to have, you know, LeBron's not like Cleveland-Miami LeBron MVP. He might be the MVP of the league, but he's not like vintage LeBron. And we saw that when AD was out, that wear and tear was real. So I I don't suspect that the Lakers click back in here until the playoffs. And I think they very easily could, you know, run a 17-17 and for the rest of the way. And if AD's out for much longer than two weeks, then it's going to be worse than 17-17. and And if they do that, they're going to be in the fourth or fifth seed. They're going to get Denver or the Clippers in the first round. What do you see the Jazz doing with Eli Silva? I don't really know. Um, so if I'm really honest, I, I don't have any idea. I don't. Um, but the two things he does, you know, he shoots it pretty well. He moves it pretty well, so he fits in. The, the few things that he does that – he brings a level of versatility and skill that we don't have that can be helpful. Is one, he, he's a legit six ten, like he's really big, seven one wings, the plus wingspan of six ten. So he's a really good defensive rebounder. He's about twenty two percent defensive rebounder. Compare that to like Boyan's like a ten percent defensive rebounding rate guy. So there's a you know, and Royce is our second best defensive rebounder right now. You know, so it gives us a little bit – I think defensive rebounding is a little bit of a concern even though our numbers are good there. So he gives us a little bit in that realm. One thing I haven't heard about but I'm hoping he'll do is can we take Royce's numbers from 32 to 26 or 27? In the last three years, Royce has shot 41% in the first half from three and 32% in the second half from three. And in the last 10 games, Royce is down to 35%. We're asking, nobody is guarding the number one option in the league more than Royce O'Neal. We're asking an awful lot out of Royce. If we can minimize that ask a little bit and keep his legs underneath him, I think that would be great. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of back, you know, we got eight or nine back-to-back here. I think there's going to be a lot of player maintenance days. We already saw it with Luka and KP last night. So I think there's nights where Conley doesn't play. Can we, can Ilya Silva, while he's not going to take Joe's minutes per se, 
can he keep Joe off being 34 minutes in those games and down at 26 or 27? Like, I think he's, you know, and then the other thing that he just gives us that we didn't have in our roster is a stretch five. He played about 20% of his minutes a few years ago as a five. So in the circumstance that Quinn needs that as one of his cards in his deck, he now has it and he didn't have it before. So... Because of the whole Stockton Malone 82 games, put this uniform on, no excuses thing, and that just got beat into everybody's brain and into the DNA of the franchise. But not as an excuse for losing, but as just reality. It's the way it was. We saw the Jazz play back-to-back and then play a third game in four days on the road a couple times, and they were able to grind out a win in Indiana, but they looked beat. And they could not win at New Orleans, and they looked beat. So... With these back-to-backs you speak of, I assume that Conley needs to not play very many, if any, back-to-backs. We already saw him rested a back-to-back. They want to keep him healthy for the playoffs, so that seems like an obvious thing. And then on the other night, when Conley does play, do they rotate through other players? Because even though they're nine deep, this team, I think it was pretty clear, they looked worn down playing three games in four days on the road, and they can't afford that. Now they got the depth to rest more guys. So we're going to see a lot of that. I don't know if we would ever do this, but I think one of the great things that happened this year is that Joe Ingles missed the game. Because now I think it gives you the freedom. I would would love to see on a back-to-back almost a pattern where Joe sits one night and Mike sits the other. And so that Donovan and Joe play point guard one night and Donovan and Mike play point guard the next night. And you don't... For those guys, we need Mike Conley and Joe Ingles healthy and not worn out whenever the season ends. I don't even know when the season ends anymore. Um, May sometime. Um, and, and I'm, they're old. They're 33 years old. Like, that's, like, we can talk about how good a shape Mike's in, and Joe's having his best year of his NBA career by a long shot. He's one of the elite off, like, if Joe Harris is elite offensive, Joe Ingles is for all the talk of, like, Jordan Clarkson's sixth man, and, like, Joe Ingles is having an unbelievable year. In fact, like, without trying to be controversial, I would probably vote Joe Ingles sixth man over Jordan Clarkson right now. The, he's incredibly efficient offensively. He's playing elite-level point guard. He's one of the top – he and Gobert, one of the top ten pick-and-roll combinations in the league. He's remarkable right now. Um, and, and it's, you know, part of it's what he's done the last two weeks. He's been really amazing. He's got to be great. He was not great in the bubble last year. Was that because of the bubble? Was that be, you know, who knows? But we need him to be this version of Joe Ingles. And, that, and we need Mike Conley to be what we saw to Mike Conley. Those would be my two biggest priorities heading toward May if I were the Jazz, is making sure that those two guys were there to complement Rudy and Donovan in the playoffs. All right, I can buy all that. With that in mind, then, do you think that they go all out in trying to get that number one seed with the possibility of realizing that there's other things that are more important than getting that one seed? I'm not sure there are other things more important than getting that one seed. Or at least the two seeds. I don't, I'm not sure there are things more important than being one or two. 
because of getting an easy first round, 7-8, because to me it looks like, I know early in the year we talked about, hey, be one and avoid the Lakers and Clippers at 2-3. You've already said you may not be able to do that because one of them could be in that 4-5 series. Plus, Phoenix is so good, I just don't think you're ducking anybody in the second round in the West. I think that the West is so good that the extra home game matters. Um, what are we going to, 5,600 here coming up? Fans? Yeah. Like, Could be I don't more know. than that in the playoffs, I, yeah. Right. Like, are we at 13? Are we at 10,000? Are we at 13,000 by then? Like, has everyone gotten our – are we vaccinated? Like, what happens in Texas? It's an open-air stadium, but the idea the Rangers are playing in a full stadium coming up here seems, you know, I'll be honest, seems insane and negligent. But if it works, then it's not insane and negligent. And if we're inside, it does seem different. But, like, where are we? Are we at – you know, what's our number that we're going to be at here by May? And this, you know, pent-up energy, this place, our building's going to be rocking. It's going to be amazing. And maybe L.A.'s not, you know, the. I think the next big conversation in the NBA is what happens to the competitive advantage of having home fans where other teams can't. And I think the money will drive that, but... Ryan Smith will be like telling Adam Silver, you're not limiting my numbers. I need it. I lost so much dang money in the last year. Same thing will be said out of whatever, Denver or wherever else. And, and so you'll, they'll, 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 but LA might not be ready to have fans at that point. So, you know, it wouldn't be any different for the Clippers than it always is. Old joke. But, you know, um, thank you, PK. Um, but I, you know, I do think that that's a legitimate, um, you know, I think that one seat matters there, right? Phoenix will be open. So the Suns and Jazz are playing in front of 13, 15. I have no idea. I'm making these numbers up. Um, fans, you know, I, don't, I really don't know. I want to make sure that's really clear. I don't have any idea what the CDC is going to say. I don't have any idea, like, what the safe number is. I don't, you know, but we're trending in that direction, right? Yeah. All right, David, that's a lot of ground to cover right there. Jazz and Rockets tonight. And we will uh, listen to you on the game. 8 o'clock. Why is it a late start? There's no no national TV? COVID, COVID, COVID. testing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There it is. Thank you, David. See you, guys. All right. Radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David Locke joining us. Coming up, Chris Kimrani, staff writer for The Athletic, covers the Utes, but he's written about the Jazz. Spring football starting Monday. The basketball season just ended. We will talk with Chris coming up in 15 minutes right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.